Hi, this is Richard Donaldson, and welcome to another episode of Supply Chain Next. Today, we will be featuring uh, Brian Aoe, uh, a venture capitalist out of New York City and founder of uh, Refashioned Venture Capital, as well as the New York uh, Supply Chain Meetup, uh, which is a fabulous group, and looking forward to the episode. So, um, well, first things first, um, it would be great just to get, if you don't mind, just doing a quick recap of your experience and how you got to where you are today with uh, revolution, you know, uh, uh, that you're doing, right? Um, or not revolution, I'm sorry. With, um, with refashioned. Re refashioned, right, right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Reinvention venture capital. It'd be great just to hear the story. Cool. So the, I think the story goes back to perhaps business school, and, and I'm going to keep it short, but in business school, one of the classes I really enjoyed is a class called uh, um, competitive advantage from operations. Mm -hmm. It's it was it was a, a required class for everyone. But the the professor I had really drove home the idea that if you didn't really have your arms around operations, then nothing else would matter in the mm -hmm. long run. Mm -hmm. um, in the short term, you might have some wins, but ultimately you you would lose. And so that stayed with me. And um, at Stern, I took every bankruptcy class that they could offer. In fact, and, and, and in fact, that's one of the reasons I decided to go to Stern because they have so many bankruptcy classes. Then after graduation, this 2008, I joined a family office. Mm -hmm. And they brought me on ostensibly to start their investing team. I was the second employee at the family office, the first person on the investing team. For the first two years, I focused on two turnarounds. So they had, they owned a uh, private jet charter company and they they owned 50% of a fine dining restaurant business. As you can imagine in 2008, those businesses were in really, really hot waters. Yeah. And so, you know, for the first till, you know, early 2011, all I did was try to help those companies uh, stay alive. But in the background, internally, we were having conversations about what the investing, uh, what the direct investing strategy for the family office would be. Ultimately, in 2011, on the basis of the idea that the two companies that were struggling had stabilized, we started uh, building a venture fund, an early mm -hmm. stage a venture fund. Um, and so, uh, you know, I did a recruiting process, brought on the third, the third employee who joined me on the investing team, and he and I set out to do the the legwork to build a venture fund. So that's where my my venture experience really starts. The first, and who was the family office for, if I could ask? Uh, KEC Holdings. The okay. the principal is a gentleman by the name of Jeff Citron. Mm -hmm. Um, his successes are in um. An island ECN, uh, a uh, a um, a uh, stock trading uh, platform, and then oh, what's the other one? I can't remember the other one. But the most recent one is uh, is Vonage. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, the most recent one, the one that most people uh, will recognize is, mm -hmm. is uh, Vonage. So Vonage, the island ECN, and there's a third one that's escaping me right now, but I can uh, uh, send it to, uh, to you guys by email after. So um, so in 2011, we started the process of building a venture fund. We set up the first vehicle, which was a $35 million vehicle. 
Um, in 2014, we set up the second vehicle, which was a $63 million vehicle. And the goal was invest in, um, in, in startups. So Jeff's, Jeff's history is each of the startups that he has founded um, were considered to be disruptive. And so, and so we, we, we were looking for, we were looking for startups cut in that mold. Okay. When we, the, the first vehicle was a generalist fund, uh, a, a generalist fund run by a team of generalists. The second was uh, also a generalist fund run by a team of generalists. But at that point, we started thinking by the third fund, we should probably uh, each pick a specialization. Mm-hmm. And the 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 we we figured the way to do that is for each person to figure out what you're most interested in, what really uh, gets your juices, what really gets your juices flowing. Yeah. And then and then that would become your specialization. And we figured if we did that, we should be able to cover the breadth yep. of uh, of sectors and industries. So it's during that process that I honed in. On uh, on supply chain, broadly speaking, uh, and so by I'd say by 2015, I had let the team know that this is where my interest was was gravitating towards. And by 2016, it was pretty certain that that was it. In fact, in 2016, I I wrote a I authored a blog post on trucking, mm-hmm. which to my complete surprise. Uh, was very very well received, um, both by executives in the industry, by startup founders, by other investors, and by academics. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it co- took me completely surprised because I was just trying to wrap my head around what the hell is going on in this massive industry, mm-hmm. um, and, and that that ultimately led me to uh, an update on that piece, which happened in early 2017, and then a deep dive in shipping, mm. uh, uh, and that also blew my mind. And and so those those four blog posts are really what what uh, put me on the map uh, mm-hmm. uh, of other people who who are focused on this. And it's the process of studying and writing those articles that led me to come to this notion that there really needed to be a community for people who I, I describe as being obsessively enthusiastic about <laughs> supply chains. So... <laughs> Obsessively enthusiastic about supply chains, innovation, and technology. And the reason I thought there needed to be this community is because, you you know, once I published the articles and then started talking to other people, I realized on the one hand, the builders, right? So the people building new technology for supply chain, they Mm -hmm. typically understand the technology very well. Mm -hmm but don't necessarily have a very strong grasp of what's happening in the in the industry especially mm-hmm. now with the with the breadth of technologies that people have to think about and and how those technologies are are, are, are being implemented in different industries. Um, yep. It tended to be, right, if you understood blockchain extremely well, you didn't necessarily understand the corresponding problems in industries as well as you needed to. And then the buyers, you know, the people in industry who are looking for new innovations to help them solve 
uh, specific uh, problems that they were dealing with. They understood the uh, problem really, really well, but they didn't necessarily have a complete grasp of which specific technologies they should be thinking of implementing. And even if they did, you know, which of the many startups that uh, they encountered were uh, more worth spending time on? Mm -hmm. Or if this was something that was still really bleeding edge, which academics uh, uh, in academia, which people in academia were interested in talking to people in industry because there's this there's this thing about people in academia where some just want to do their research and not mm -hmm. worry about implementing it in industry and then there are a few people who really want to do the research but want to see how and so that was the idea that led to the formation of the New York supply chain uh, uh, meetup, an open, multidisciplinary, grassroots-driven uh, community where, where where we could bring really anyone who, like I said, is obsessively enthusiastic about supply chain innovation and technology together. And the idea there was that, you know, the supply chain problem is really the same problem in every industry, but it's just because the industries are different, you, you, you solve it slightly differently. But basically, what you're trying to do is to deploy scarce resources mm -hmm. um, in an environment that is dynamic, uncertain, and changing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the assets that you have to do this with uh, are limited. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. you, and so you're constantly you're constantly running an optimization and the minute you take one action the entire environment has changed yep. and you now have to account for that and this is happening across time and space mm -hmm. um and so that's the idea let's bring people together from different industries and yes it's be messy and yes it's going to be difficult to manage but it's in that it's in that messiness and that's uh that exchange of ideas and collaboration that hopefully uh, uh some really great innovations can come out and and we've we've seen it happen already right we'll have someone mm -hmm. presenting who's talking about a problem in shipping and someone in commercial real estate will say, oh, my God, we have the exact same problem in commercial real estate. Right. And right. my team, my team would really benefit from this thing. Here's my business card. Would you would you um, send me an email so we can have a conversation? Now, often the startups are too young mm -hmm. to jump industries so, uh, so quickly right they because of the resources that they have to work with they really need to focus but that's the sort of thing that uh, that happens so we'll be right. having an event on on fashion as uh, supply chains and someone in shipping will be like oh my god now i understand you know how some of our clients in the fashion industry are thinking about these things you know mm -hmm. it, didn't, it didn't occur to me that this is what's happening behind the scenes so that sort of thing the amazing thing is that the community has been completely bootstrapped mm -hmm. uh, so we don't have any sponsors yet um, uh, and I and I think it's that when we we're, we're only three years old so we started doing this in 2017 I think when we've spoken to potential sponsors you know there's this question there's so many uh, communities and not all of them uh, survive so yeah. Yeah. so why yeah. should we why should we 
why should we believe that you guys are going to stick around? Yeah. Um, you know, but we've been doing it. We're growing. Uh, we, we started with just me as the as the one person who thought this was a good Some, idea. Someone's got to be the ringleader. Now. <laughs> and now there are 2,200 plus members in New York, in the New York uh, chapter, 3,300 around the world. And, and you're probably wondering, wait, how, how are you talking about members around the world? It turns out that, you know, the issues that we like to talk about are global in nature. So supply chains are everywhere. Uh, dynamic uh, resource allocation uh, problems exist all around the world. And so there are innovators in every part of the world thinking about this problem and trying to build new technology to solve this problem. And so what happened when people in other parts of the world heard that we were building a community in New York is that some of them reached out and said, hey, would you be willing to help us do the work to try to create a community just like the one you're creating in New York? And uh, uh, by the way, we want to be directly connected to your community in New York because, you know, if our startup succeeds, we would love to have a presence in New York to um, to have access to people who can can help us set things up in New York if we needed to. And so that that uh, that introduced the idea of maybe going from just a meetup in New York to a federation of chapters all okay. sharing the same goal. And, and 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 all working to to advance this idea. Um, uh, uh, yeah. Yep. So so how did then where does the refashioned venture capital uh, fit in? Yes. So while I was at my old fund at KEC Ventures, like I said, I started developing this thesis mm -hmm. on on investing in supply chains. And so the the in 2017, going into 2018, uh, we went out to raise our third fund, and we and and if we had if we had uh, succeeded in raising the third fund, I'd probably still be at uh, KEC Ventures uh, okay. uh, uh, doing. But we didn't we didn't succeed, and so um, in 2018 we disbanded the team. Got it. And at that point, I had to make a decision. Do I go to another generalist fund and build out their, um, their supply chain practice? Mm -hmm. Or do I do this as a specialist fund? And if I do it as a specialist fund, you, you know, what, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Based on the experience at KEC and based on my conversations with other investors who were doing supply chain and a bunch of other things at generalist funds, it occurred to me that the way to do it is as a specialist. Mm -hmm. So this is very much the, um, the Dave Anderson, the Dave Anderson uh, model, right? You, mm -hmm. you hone in on supply chain as the thing that you're, you're focused on. Um, Which would not be dissimilar from any venture fund that like segment sales kind of focused technology investments or marketing focused technology right, investments right, or right, HR yeah, technology and right, you know focused right, investments right? right okay right right the 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 thing the thing that i think maybe differentiates us from other folks is that our definition of supply chain is 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 probably more broad right mm -hmm. so for us a supply chain is really any network of organizations 
that work in collaboration to aid the procurement and production and movement of goods from producers to suppliers, right? Got so it. any network of that sort is a supply chain. Mm-hmm. And we think about the supply chain as having very broadly two big parts. One is information has to travel mm-hmm. between all those organizations in the supply chain. And then physical goods mm-hmm. also have to travel from the producers to the end uh, customers. And so that's how we think about it. And like I said, this is something that cuts across industries and economic sectors and, and totally. whatnot. So so focused in terms of being a supply chain fund, supply chain management, supply chain logistics, and supply chain finance. And then we do this across industries. That's so, the so idea. Let me ask you a, a general question here. So in your experience, right, I mean, you, you clearly didn't set out and say, oh my God, I'm going to go start up a, you know, a, a marketing focused fund. Because that's pretty crowded. It's a crowded space. It's been around yeah. for a while, right? Yeah. So the question really is, why supply chain? Why now? How how come supply chain has either just missed the radar of the investors? And why is it now all of a sudden so hot that you decided to go, you know, you saw a gap and started your own, you know, venture fund to go after this space? Mm-hmm. Because it's, I think one of the, again, the underlying question here, and part of the reason for the article is to say, you know, the biggest piece of the enterprise is the supply chain. It's the least technically advanced and it's the least invested in space to date. And that's all changing. So yes. the, the underlying question is like, how is it all these venture capital people and private equity people have missed this space or continue to miss this space? And why is there room to come in and start something now from your perspective? So, so that's a great question. And I can't remember when I wrote the article. It might have been 2014 or 2015, but I wrote an article. Uh, uh, I think the title was How Early Stage Tech Startups Can Gain a Competitive Advantage from Operations. Mm-hmm. So one is that historically operations and supply chain more generally, and I'll, 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 I'll describe the distinction. Operations is basically the portion of a supply chain that rests within the four walls of, of a company, mm-hmm. right? So the part of your supply chain that's inside your business, you call that operations. Mm-hmm. Everything that is important for what you do, but that sits outside the four walls of your company is your, is your supply chain. Mm-hmm. So naturally, operations and supply chain are, inter, are interlocking things. Um, Generally, people have talked about operations as the back of the house, mm-hmm. right? It's 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 like there's this per, there's this pejorative disdainful. Right. Oh yeah, right. those, are, those <laughs> are back office people. Right. Right. Those are back office people, etc. Right. etc. Et you know, the irony is that if you didn't have the back office, there would be no need for there would be no, be need no company. Front, yeah, there would be no need for a front office, right? right. Operations is how you produce things. And the only reason you have marketing is because you have something to sell. If operations did not make things, you wouldn't need uh, marketing. And if operations did not make things which you sell to people who then owe you money, you wouldn't need a finance or accounting. (laughs) You wouldn't need a finance or accounting uh, department. Now, I I think the thing that people who didn't, and, and my experience, my professional experience before 
I joined uh, KAC Holdings and KAC Ventures has always been in the back office, right? I've always been part of the operations uh, segment of, of a company. Um, and I think what people don't realize, and even I did not really realize this until just last uh, semester when I was teaching it in my course at NYU, uh, but for any company across industries, generally costs related to supply chain can account for anywhere from 30% to 80% of sales. Totally. Right, the totally. cost that you spend on operations, supply chain, and all that stuff can eat up up to 30%. With uh, restaurants are on the low end, around mm -hmm. 30 percentish, and I think energy is at the very high end, around 79 percent. So, any any innovations or technologies that can help you put your arms, that can help a company get their arms around their, those courses, really is really really big. And in fact, there's a way to look at this question where you can say, hey, company A wants to improve their profit margins mm -hmm. and there are two broad strategies that they can take one is the marketing dri a dri a driven approach where they invest in marketing they increase demand etc 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 and how will that play out and another is a supply chain focused uh, approach where they they drive down the costs in yep. their supply chain it turns out that if you do that uh, that analysis driving down the cost in your supply chain is always the strategy that will win because I was just going to jump in on that one and just to sort of put another wrapper around that is the one thing that your sales marketing efforts are going to yield and run up against is the market itself will dictate the price yes you can't yeah. control that right Right. Whereas in the inside, looking inward, you can control everything you that's can, operationally yes. focused. Right. Yes. You can tune yes. your body. You can do yep. more exercise. You can eat yep. better. You know yep. what I mean? Like, yep. like you control that. And the other thing with the marketing or sales driven approach is that ultimately you're going to have to invest in capex to satisfy that additional <laughs> that additional demand. Right. right? Yep. You're yep. going to need to buy more machines, yep. you know, all those costs go up as well. Yep. Uh, uh, whereas in, in, in supply chain, that's not in the supply chain focused uh, strategy. That's not the, and I think that is, that is very, is very difficult to realize if you didn't, if you didn't spend your time in that environment, right? So where many VCs come from a finance and consulting background and where, and where they didn't spend time in, in, in supply chain. Now, people say, well, Brian, you don't have a supply chain. It's, it's died in the wool, a supply chain background. But I think the, the difference between me and some other folks is that I, 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 I like to spend the time digging into 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 things and the fact that I spent you know seven or so years of my professional experience in the back office basically. Right. Um, so uh, is it is it helpful. is it fair to say from your point of view that you know again venture capitalists private equity people super smart right it's not that they're not, <laughs> not smart people they're super yeah, smart yeah, people yeah. but it's just sheer I mean it's as simple as they just don't have any experience in operations and supply chain, and therefore it's kind of an unknown. They don't know how to evaluate investments. I, I, they don't know I, I, how I, to evaluate technologies there. They don't even understand how big the potential is, but they're waking the, up to that. 
I, I, I think that's it. And 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 I tell people that I, I think yes, you you've you've you you've hit the nail on on the head. People are waking up to the potential. Um, so it's a couple of things. One, it's not realizing it's not realizing how critical it is to enterprises, and then two. Um, you know, 10 years ago, it would be difficult to do some of the things that we're seeing uh, uh, innovators uh, do now mm-hmm. because the technologies were just not uh, mature enough. Mm-hmm. And if you talk to some investors who have a background in supply chain, uh, there's a friend of mine uh, who, 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 um, who built his career in supply chain consulting, he'll tell you a lot of horror stories, right? Oh, we thought this technology was going to be groundbreaking and it and it wasn't. And the issue there is that at that time, the potential was there, but the technology was not mature enough. Mm-hmm. And so what would happen is that really big companies who had the balance sheet to invest in that sort of thing, you know, the Walmarts of the world, the Schneider Nationals of the world, they could they could say, okay, we have this problem, we know this works, and we're going to invest in doing it. But for everyone else, it wasn't realistic. Mm-hmm. And so if you if your approach was, I'm going to invest in this technology at that time, you probably lost your shirt. But but that has all changed. Yep. Right. Yep. With cloud computing and edge computing and mobile devices and and, and everything, mm-hmm. that has all changed. And so, uh, in in fact, I just published a story on freight waves uh, this morning about a company called Optimal Dynamics. Okay. And it's the first in a series that I'm doing on AI and and supply chain. The research that is the basis on which Optimal Dynamics is coming to to market is four decades in the making. Hmm. This is an academic whose life has been devoted to solving (laughs) these problems. And he's done it in he's done it in transportation, he's done it for the Navy, he's done it in spare parts, he's done it in in almost every industry that you can think of. And when you talk to him, he'll tell you that, you know, yes, in the past my research could be used by organizations who could afford to implement it internally. Mm-hmm. It's only now that all the all the technologies relevant to solving these problems are mature enough and cheap enough that we can launch this as a platform, right. as a platform that anyone can implement if they want to. And I think those I think those those issues all tie together to make it difficult to um to see the the potential. Um mm-hmm. and, and and then of course there's the there's there's a problem that The Economist uh, talks about, and I got the idea for starting this series uh, on AI and supply chain from The Economist. They just published their uh, technology quarterly. Mm-hmm. And I think the series is entitled AI and its limits. Okay. And basically, And basically, the conclusion they reach, which is not entirely wrong, it's a fair conclusion, is that AI has been hyped to such a degree 
but then has completely failed to yeah. live up. But then has completely failed to live up to the hype. And you know, to a certain extent, I completely agree. Right? If 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 yeah. the idea is that AI is going to solve every prob- uh, problem known to mankind, then right. uh, then it's it's failed to live up to that potential. Um, and so the idea for for the series that I said I, I started just today in Freight Waves is let's take a step back from all the hype mm-hmm. and let's ask ourselves, you know, what types of problems is uh, AI, and I'm using AI very loosely, yep. but what types of problems is this family of technologies uh, suited for? And mm-hmm. where, where can we find people who are actually making a difference? In legacy industries, right? Not in marketing technology, not in advertising technology, not in uh, not in in trading, not in financial trading. Which which another way to point out what you're uh, uh, um, another way to um, look at what you're pointing out is there has been ten to twenty years of technology innovation and investment in innovation for these other disciplines in the enterprise, sales, marketing, HR, right? You don't have the same innovation and investment success or track record in supply chain and operations because we're just at the very formative stages of investing in that area of the enterprise, right? And so, you know, you have a lot of technologies that have become more advanced and take advantage of higher level technologies like machine learning and AI Yep. Because they've set the foundation the right way yes. in what they've built for sales and market. Like for instance, if you put AI in the, you know, on top of some Salesforce data, you could probably get some cool stuff happening. Yep. Yep. But you needed that data there in the first place the and first that foundation place. that yep. foundation platform in the first place before you can yep. even get to AI. And that's the right. mistake that a lot of people make is oh, I'll just throw AI at the problem. Well right. <laughs> if it's right. not connected, it's not gonna do anything. Yeah, and, and it's like I said about it's like I described about the com is about about the community and and why you know I, I hone in on the words obsessively enthusiastic about supply chain and innovation and technology is you can't just say let's throw AI at the problem right, right? you have to get much more specific right. is it is it supervised learning? Is it unsupervised learning? Is it deep learning? Is it reinforcement learning? Is it, and if it's reinforcement learning, is it some version of reinforcement learning that's adapted specifically for this type of, because the idea that in every situation you're going to be able to get reams and reams and reams of data <laughs> that the system can learn from totally. is, you know, that's, that's challenging. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that so that that comes back again, comes full circle to again, kind of the question at hand, and kind of looking forward is, you know, there's a there there is and has been a gap mm-hmm. in investment both from venture capital and private equity in the area of operations and specifically supply chain, even though they're inexorably tied. So in looking at that, looking at that spectrum of venture capital to private equity, there's also a gap because supply chain and operations isn't like a typical venture capital investment because it usually is a fairly big investment and it it spans so much stuff. But in then private equity, which has been investing in a lot of turnarounds and in industries that actually 
have big supply chains and could benefit from the stuff, want to get in, but they don't quite know how to evaluate and, you know, invest it a million dollar or two million dollar clips because they're used to putting 50 to 100 million dollars to play. So there's even a gap in the investment world between venture capital and private equity that can address the right things around supply chain and operations um, because neither one of them really, like if you put the two together, like yeah. take a venture capital and private equity person and fuse them. Fuse That's them, the yeah. right mentality you want focused on supply chain and operations. Yes. Yes, that's the right, because the private equity person, like you said, will be investing in large companies right. where some investments in technology that works, right. you know, for various aspects of operations and supply chain would make a big difference. Yep. Um, and the VC has their ear to, to the ground on what's right. just what's just coming out that needs, you know, a first adopter. And, and, and I, I, ironically, sorry, just to jump in, but you made me think yeah. of this, is that it's like venture capital in a way is kind of like um, uh, they're used to investing in the, the newest, latest, greatest thing in sales and marketing and HR or whatever, right, yeah. which are kind of, you know, disruptors. Yes. And the private equity guys are used to actually investing in operations and focusing on the inside margin improvement through cost cutting, yes. right, where venture capital is used to kind of building up through the front facing side of sales and marketing, right? They yeah. want to, you know, they want to capture market share. So it's almost like you described earlier. It's like venture capital fits in the bucket of outbound growing through sales and marketing efforts. Yeah. Private equity fits in the bucket of looking inward and cost cutting, yeah. right? And you're trying to kind of blend the two in supply chain yeah. and operations. Yes. Yes, that that's a that's a that's a reasonable that's a reasonable way to to look at it. And in fact, um, in the article that I uh, that I was talking about, we came out today. I think the CEO Daniel talks about how they helped one of their customers cut cut costs and increase automation and increase efficiency mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Um, you know, which in some in, in some industries, even increasing efficiency and cutting costs by small, by relatively small percentage points can be it can be a really it can be a really really big deal yeah so, so, so one way to think about one way to think about the opportunity is that there is nothing that we do in the world that doesn't depend on a supply chain mm-hmm. and you know if you think of the world as let's just call it a hundred trillion dollar entity mm-hmm. then even technologies that collectively uh, 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 creates, you know, efficiencies of one percent. That that's mm-hmm. a big that's a big opportunity. Yeah, yeah. That's or, a, that's a really really that's a really really big opportunity. You could also uh, tie to what you just said. You said a hundred trillion, which is interesting. You kind of use that number because the the aggregate global GDP mm-hmm. is about ninety trillion dollars. Yeah, that, that I was I was I was, yeah. I was rounding I was rounding Yeah, you rounded up. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, 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 hey, let's let's ten trillion dollars amongst friends. <laughs> one trillion here, one trillion there. Um, but okay, so ninety hundred trillion dollars, whatever. But that's the global gross domestic, you know, output or yeah. GDP. Yeah. And therefore, behind that ninety hundred trillion dollars is an entire aggregate global supply chain. Yes. Right. And that's what this what you're basically saying is you're focused on actually finding innovation and technology and optimization for the supply chain that feeds that hundred trillion dollars. That's exactly it. That's that's exactly that's exactly it. And then the other thing 
to think about, and I don't remember the specific, I don't remember the specific n- numbers, but my co-founder and I, uh, Lisa, we published uh, a booklet last uh, in January. First published it as a blog in October and then turned it into a booklet in generally uh, uh, the world is a, is, is a supply chain, which is also the tagline for the community. And in the course of researching, of researching, of doing the research for the booklet, it blew my mind that the world population is going to, between 1975, I mm-hmm. think, mm-hmm. and 2050, the world population is going to grow by a whole lot more than it was before 1975, mm-hmm. right? So, so like, you know, we're, we're now at seven point something billion people in the world. And uh, by 2050, I think we're supposed to be at 10 billion people. That, mm-hmm. that puts a lot of pressure on all the supply chains that we rely on. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so there's that. Then there's the fact that for that very reason, climate change is accelerating. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's difficult. I I don't see how it, I'm, I'm surprised by many of the conversations people have around climate change, because there seems to be a complete disconnect between the idea that climate change is happening because of human activity mm-hmm. and human activity is all driven by supply chains. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to fix climate change, you, f- you first have to think about fixing supply chains, yep. right? And so that, that's one of the ideas that we, don't, we really don't have a choice, right. but right. to think long and hard about how supply chains are built, how they are operated, and how they need to change in order for climate change not to uh, not to kill us all. Well, this goes back to uh, the slide I shared with you, which is also the numbers that are sitting out there, which is, you know, the world pulls out of the earth, you know, 90 gigatons of stuff. Yep. Half of which is for food, half of which is for the supply chain, right? Yep. And those 90 gigatons contribute to 50% of the greenhouse gas emissions, yep. right? Which, so there's immediate tie to those, Yep. right? So if you're altering the supply chain, it's going to have a direct impact on the 90 gigatons of new stuff you're new using stuff, yeah. or, you know, that you want to pull out, yeah. which directly then corresponds to the output of greenhouse gases to manufacture and redo all that stuff. I and mean, you can turn yeah. all the things in the middle of all of that. Yeah. But the yeah. punchline here is that, you know, and this goes back to uh, Sherry Inish and um, Deborah Dull and the circular economy, that if on the back end of the supply chain, we stimulate the circular economy, yeah. And get more reuse, recycle, refurbishment. Recycle it, yeah. Just like yeah. we all do in our personal lives. Yeah. It has a direct correlation to again back to not pulling out 90 gigatons of stuff. Of I mean, stuff. You, you yeah. can see it. I mean, it's, yes. it's it's like if you just put it out there, it's kind of like yes. you know people people and this is the shocking thing to me. You know what we're talking about at a very high level, even though it's astronomically large numbers, is not hard to see. It's simple. 90 it's, gigatons yes. of stuff pulled out of the earth, yeah. right? output on a value basis yeah. of a hundred you know trillion dollars per year yeah right uh, you know it's like and you could see how that's used and and, and manufactured yeah. and then reused um but just laying that out there once people see those they're like wow oh wow right but no one's made those connections for some reason i don't get it like i don't 
it's not like you and I are not, you know, I mean, like, hey, we're pretty smart guys, but like, Jesus, like, how did this, how did everyone not get this over the last 20 or 30 years? Well, so I don't know. I mean, when I first would talk to people about the community, right? So, so first it was like, oh my God, trucking, like yeah. what could possibly be exciting about trucking, right? Oh my God, shipping, what could possibly be exciting about shipping, you know, then why are you building a supply chain meetup? Isn't supply chain the most boring thing? <laughs> Isn't supply chain the most boring thing? But you know, when you when you think about when you think about the sheer the sheer numbers and the sheer um, like this is something that's essential. Yep. This isn't this isn't a nice to have. This isn't oh we do it if we like. This is something that has to happen. Um, and so I really, I, 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 I tell people who will listen, I really think this is the biggest investment opportunity well, that we're know, going to see in yeah. the next couple of decades. Oh, easy. Total agreement with you here, but, but you again made me think about an enterprise when times are tough, right? And we talk about supply chain, let's talk about prioritization. Where do the budgets get slashed first? Sales. Yeah. Marketing. Marketing, HR. It's not supply. Right? It's, it's not, not supply, supply chain. Yeah, it it's not is. supply chain. It's, it's, least, not, it's the least. Like, it's, not, it's not supply chain because it's if like, you're cutting your even your own decisions show you it's the most important thing you have. You don't treat it that way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which is yeah. to me just like a head scratcher. It's like, it wait a minute, because that was my experience at eBay when I was sitting and talking about budgets when I first took over the supply chain there. And I was like, God, I manage a billion dollars here. That's like yeah. nearly one third of all the expense of, yeah. of, of eBay. Yeah. Yet, you know, no one pays attention to supply chain. I'm like, how are you guys not paying attention? I, 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 we're one third of the entire budget of the, yeah. <laughs> of the company. <laughs> Actually, if, if, you, if, you count it, if you count it more accurately, it's probably much more than one third. I agree. Oh, it's closer to 50%. It's probably, it's to be probably honest, much right? more than one third. Yeah. Yeah. I always yeah, tell yeah. people, kind of like you say, that supply chain generally controls 50 to 80% of your yeah. budget, even yeah. though you don't realize it. Even though you don't get, yeah. 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 So, so let me, let me also kind of move. I want to be conscious of time uh, as well, because uh, I don't want to take too much of your time. And I, I literally could spend the entire day with you. So, so this, this is, this is hard to constrain myself, but um, let me stay focused back on the venture capital side of the story here. So, yeah. Kind of looking forward, you kind of talked about this. Why are you, I mean, for all the reasons that you said, but just look forward. Why is supply chain the biggest thing to come out now for investors? And and how do you see the investment community, you know, over the next year or two kind of rallying around that, right? Because you're at the forefront, right? You're, you're very much at the vanguard, right? I, I think there's a lot, I know I have a lot of conversations with investors, mm-hmm. um, but they're just, kind of scratching around, right? They're not jumping in yet. Um, I, you know, it's changing, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, and and I would say that I'm, that we're more similar than dissimilar to Dave. Yeah. I, I really think this is something that requires complete focus. And that's why I keep honing in as much as people uh, chuckle when I, I, I keep honing in on, it's the sort of thing that you have to be obsessively enthusiastic about, right? Mm-hmm. And I think for me, that enthusiasm comes from from the way I grew up. So I, I've had the the good fortune of living in a tiny village in West Africa 
and medium-sized uh, cities in West Africa, and large uh, cities in West Africa, and medium-sized uh, cities in the United States, and large cities in the United States. Right. And one of the things that has struck me over time, once I came to understand what's a, uh, how critical uh, supply chains are to society, is that the societies that are economically strong are societies that have advanced uh, supply chains, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. across the three dimensions that we think about them. Mm -hmm. And so from that perspective, I think it's easier for me to come to an appreciation of supply chains than a lot of other people. And then, you, you know, going even more to even more personal aspects of what is it that causes you to be so willing to devote the time to, to this. Um, as a teenager, my grandfather suffered from a rheumatoid arthritis, right? Mm -hmm. and, and my grandfather is a peasant farmer in West Africa. He died in 96. Uh, and my home village, you know, at the time, there, there were no running lights or no electricity. And so one of the things I did every evening when I was home on vacation from secondary school is that it was my duty to go to the village uh, 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 pharmacist, uh, so to mm -hmm. speak, and I would pick up two or three pills of some medication that my grandfather uh, needed. And the reason we did that is because uh, my relatives in the village uh, are so destitute. Uh, mm -hmm. they, 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 they live on, they live below the poverty lines that anyone that anyone would draw and so we could only afford he could only afford the exact number of pills per evening that he mm. needed um and recently i think it was in 2019 i was reading an article uh by the Swiss pharmaceutical Roche and they were mm -hmm. talking about their supply chains in Nigeria and they said what one of the statements they made is to the effect of because supply chains in Nigeria are so broken, the medications that they market in Nigeria wind up being uh, marked up by between 40 and 700 percent. Oh, my God. And so that when I read that, it got me thinking. I was like, wait, you mean the medications I used to buy for my grandpa in the village could be marked up by as much as 700%. Oh, my God. Just because the supply chains are so broken. Yep. Um, and so, you know, when, when I think about what is the, what's the intrinsic thing that drives me, uh, that drives my commitment to this topic and this idea, uh, that's... That's probably that's probably it. Yeah. Right? That, well, that, that, I mean, yeah. I mean, talk about an incredible personal journey on all levels. Uh, you know, to be born and raised uh, in that experience. Uh, you know, in Nigeria. You know, outside of Lagos in a small town, to go through that and then connect the dots all the way through to your professional career into supply chain, but you know, maintain that thread. Um, yeah. You know, and and that's that's a. I mean, that's. Not only is it fascinating, but it also is, you know, your obsessive enthusiasm comes through right. um, because you see the global supply chain and all of the, I mean, again, if, if, you, if we think about that 700% of markup, let's go back to the $100 trillion of output. What does that mean in that what $100 trillion that of output right. that's all waste and excess? Yeah, it's right? ex yes. I mean, yeah. even if you took out 20 or 30%, 
you know, for just inefficient supply chains, which is probably conservative, you know, that's 20 to $30 trillion we can return but back to the planet. The, the, the numbers are so astronomical that sometimes right. I shy away from. I yeah. shy away from because people, people, people look at you and be like, what's wrong with you? Are you nuts? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and we did that actually, to be honest, our economic model for our own business plan, because again, we're dealing in supply chain, got so big so fast, we actually just, I mean, literally took like three to five zeros off our projections just to make it more reasonable for people reasonable. to accept. <laughs> because we were talking about but, but, but know, hundreds of billion. Yeah. It, it, it also ties back to you know the discussion we're having uh, not too long ago about why there's a need to really be focused. Because, yes, the potential is huge, but from the perspective of an investor, not all of that potential can be realized in, you know, the 10 years or the five years or whatever the investment uh, uh, horizon is Mm -hmm. that a specific fund or a specific uh, asset class is focused on. And so the reason to focus is sure, I can't get distracted by all this opportunity. I really need to hone in on what is happening now and what is possible within, you know, the next five years, within the next 10 years. Because otherwise, again, you you lose your shirt and, yeah. and nobody and nobody wants to, nobody wants that. No one goes back again. So, so that's a great segue into, so what do you see then for you, either as an investor running an investment fund or otherwise, that are the trends in the next couple of years? Like what are the hot areas right now within supply chain? What do you think is sort of the breakout kind of space right now if we do focus in or hone in on what, what's happening within supply chains? So we, we the fund we're raising, and, and we're still very much in fundraising mode. Mm-hmm. Um, so if any, if any LPs uh, read this article, <laughs> they, they, shouldn't, they shouldn't hesitate to, yeah. they shouldn't hesitate to track me down. Yeah. I'm, I'm easy to find. But we've thought about it in four broad areas. Okay. So the first is next generation uh, logistics, okay. right? The movement of of goods and of people is really, really a big deal, yep. um, uh, especially with, glo- with, with globalization. Um, and so that's one, uh, one of the areas. And people say, well, what do you mean by next generation uh, logistics? So we aren't going to be investing in companies that want to buy trucks and buses mm-hmm. and ships, mm-hmm. but we are going to be investing in startups that are building software and maybe some hardware Mm -hmm. that makes it possible to manage those assets and to manage them much more efficiently than was possible in the past. Um, The next area is advanced materials. And so as you talked about the circular economy, um, plastics Mm -hmm. are a big issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, in fashion and apparel, uh, mm-hmm. uh, 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 that's a big issue. Waste is a big, big issue. And so this idea that perhaps there are innovations that enable us to take stuff that would have gone to waste and that would have wound up in, in incinerators and in landfills mm-hmm. and to turn that into new materials, into raw materials for mm-hmm. new stuff that mm-hmm. people want to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, advanced uh, manufacturing, 
mm-hmm. is is another is another area and so the easy the easy way to think about that is maybe 3d printing yep how do we get to a point where not everything is manufactured thousands and thousands of miles away but maybe a lot of the things that we need most frequently are mm-hmm. manufactured much much closer to home and what does that do um on any number of of dimensions right in yep. terms of waste in terms of pollution in terms of cost and so on and and so forth uh what does that do for how you think about inventory and inventory mm-hmm. uh management if you can if you can manufacture when something is needed instead of manufacturing it beforehand and then holding on to it and discovering that there's actually no demand for all the stuff that you made. And then the fourth area, and this ties into the series that I'm uh, that that I'm working on right now, is data and analytics. Right, with all the as the world becomes much more digital as mm-hmm. supply chains become more digitized um, how do we harness all the data and information that is being generated by supply chains to enable us make better more accurate more timely decisions about you know what these supply chains should be doing right and how and how they should be and how they should be doing it that's those are the four areas that we think are most exciting. Some are farther along than others. You, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I think the fact that The Economist published uh, its, its AI and its limits uh, 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 piece or, or set of articles suggests that the, that the expectations on the data and, uh, and analytics side of things are much farther ahead. Mm-hmm. Than 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 for the others, but the, just broadly speaking, those four areas are how we look at the world. And how are and so I'm going to wrap up with a quick question here, and I'll be again uh, just mindful of time here. Keep keep to the hour. Is sort of in conclusion, um, are you seeing other investors starting to kind of reach out to you to find out what's going on? In one hand, you're reaching out to Dave Anderson <laughs> because yeah. he's the godfather of supply chain investment. Let's be honest, right? The guy was 20 years ahead of everybody else. I, I'm actually going to be talking to Dave tomorrow morning, yeah. I think. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, obviously. I mean, it's a small circle. I mean, really, quite frankly, the thought leadership is relatively still small in supply chain and technology and optimization and investment, right? Um, so, you know, even, even though, you, you know, you're at the vanguard and just getting going and i found you just because of your posts and everything right i mean let's be honest here it was your uh publications right your uh, brand that you know i found through just networking and supply chain so i imagine other people in the investment community are finding you as well are you seeing an increased tempo of people kind of coming to you to talk about investment investment strategies um and if if so is there is there a common theme to what they're asking you about can you see some trends in what they're kind of so the common theme is that the people so first yes a lot and this has been happening since i did the trucking the pieces on trucking and shipping uh, and it's increased a bit more now um uh just because i've been i've I've been i've been at it for so long Mm -hmm. Uh, so yes uh people reaching out and when people reach out with questions it's generally because they haven't spent enough time on the problem 
to know if, for example, this value proposition that this startup I want to invest in is talking about, is this a real thing or is it, or is it just smoke and right. mirrors, right? Is right. this a real, is this a real problem? And if they succeed in doing what they say they want to do, could this get, you know, could this get big enough? for for what I need as a venture investor and so on mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. forth and then and then sometimes you know with um like I said with uh with they're the, the actually two large uh Japanese conglomerates that we've been we've been speaking with lately and their questions are the opposite right mm -hmm. where a big company and we're looking and we've been in existence for centuries yeah, right. <laughs> and, and, and we're looking at innovative new ideas for the industries that we have a presence in right here's a startup we're looking at one have you heard about them what do you think about what they're doing uh, uh do you know any startups that we should be talking to um and so on and so on and so forth and mm -hmm. i think it's like i said i think it's yeah. it's uh it's opposite sides of the same coin mm -hmm. so for the venture investors is that they aren't steeped enough of enough on supply chain broadly speaking that they want someone else who only thinks about that to validate yep. what their thinking is or to tell them they're making a mistake um, and then on the other hand for the you know huge uh, huge con uh, conglomerates that are looking at really young companies and really emerging bleeding edge uh, technologies. Again, it's the same thing, right? This isn't the only thing they think about, mm -hmm. right? Bleeding edge, cutting edge technologies are not, that's not all they think about. And right. so, and so they look at it and they're like, wow, this looks interesting. Uh, but you know, is there someone who knows the team? Is there someone who knows the landscape a little better? Is there someone who knows uh, what alternatives to this exist? Um, mm -hmm. uh, so yes, the the short answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, it's all going in the right direction. You're at the right place at the right time. I, and I apologize. I actually have to have a hard stop at twelve uh, myself, so I got I got to bounce. But this is like I said. Anytime I knew the minute we got on the phone. Um, you know, we'd spend hours and hours and hours together. So there may be some follow-up questions here, but there's yeah, yeah, this is this is fabulous. I, uh, I, 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 like I say, I'm 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 obsessively enthusiastic about this. I can so. tell. <laughs> I can tell. It's awesome. I love it. I mean, uh, we can we can we we can be obsessively enthusiastic I about, together. I can, <laughs> I can talk about supply chain. I kid you not. There was one time to to, to let you know how bad the, uh, the, uh, this could get. There was one time. I was invited by an organization to spend some time with them in Atlanta. And it wasn't till we wrapped up in the evening that I realized I had been talking nonstop for 12 hours. Oh my God. About, about, venture, ca about venture capital, about venture capital and startups. Oh. I started talking at 10 a.m. in the morning, and we didn't wrap up till 10 p.m. in the evening. And oh I was like, God. oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. What a good this story. was this was in uh, this was in spring of 2018. Yeah. Is that with the World 50 Group or? No, no, it was it was with an organization called Digital Undivided. 
Okay, 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 cool, cool, cool. All right, well, let me let you run. Again, so appreciate the time. We're gonna take this content, wrap it up. I'm just gonna stop the recording here. Um...